In today's episode, we're going to be talking about leveraging your problem-solving abilities so that you can find more money in your business that's probably been hiding in plain sight. So don't you change that dial or drop that phone. We're about to level it up and shatter the mold. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned, and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back, how do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shatter the Mold. Andrew S. Kaplan, really happy to be here with you today. And we've got a, a fun episode, and I'll tell you, <laughs> it's um, it's a little bit interesting because the day that we recorded this one, uh, Zoom was having a major issue, and it forced me to change my usual setup. So anyone listening on audio, you'll notice a bit of a quality difference in terms of my voice. And uh, anyone who's watching the video version will certainly tell a difference just in terms of the lighting and things like that. Um, neither are the most flattering, but the content was solid. So, of course, I was going to put up the episode anyway, and I'm really excited by what you're about to learn through uh, my talk with Patty here. But before we dive in, just a quick update. Thank you so much to everyone who continues to show their support for the last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read. It continues to rack up positive reviews, five-star rave reviews on Amazon and on Audible. Uh, We're probably close to 800 uh, global ratings, at least on the U.S. site for Amazon, and it just gets better and better. And I really, I cannot begin to tell you how uh, pleased I am and how grateful I am for such positive enthusiasm. And, you know, while we're on that note, the YouTube channel that supports it, youtube.com slash Andrew Cap, that's past 800 subscribers at this point, And it's only growing from there. Uh, obviously, the goal is to surpass 1000 before the year's end. And I have full confidence I'm going to get there. And if you haven't checked it out yet for yourself, I encourage you to go to youtube.com slash Andrew Cap, check it out, see the kind of content I got going on there. And of course, you can go to last law of attraction if you still haven't seen the book itself. And I think you'll enjoy it, whether you get it in Kindle format or paperback or audiobook. Either way, I'm sure you're going to be plenty happy with it. But with that said, let's waste no more time here. We're going to switch mics. We're going to get talking with Patty and you are in for a really fun interview here. Okay, today is going to be a fun one. Patty Lawrence helps result-oriented business owners out of their struggle with financial chaos, whether it's out-of-control growth, out-of-the-blue revenue or profit decline, or people problems that are having a negative impact on the business. Her superpower is in revealing the story behind the numbers through financial tools and systems that quickly skyrocket productivity and remove barriers to growth and profitability. And her clients typically end up increasing their bottom line by at least 15%, which is obviously no small thing. And she's a lot of fun to be around as well. So I'm sure she'll have a few fun stories and insights to share today. So without further ado, Shatter the Mold warmly welcomes Patty Lawrence. Patty, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Shatter the Mold. Thank you so much, Andrew. I'm, it's just a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. And, you know, this is going to be an interesting one in the sense that we're recording and I'm going to see the recording later on. And today, Zoom goes down on me, at least on the desktop. And I email you and like, hey, there might be an issue. And I'm doing everything for the first time on my phone right now. So I've got, for people that see the video, it'll be a nice unflattering angle. I'll cross my arms to look tough. It'll be great. But what um, I really am bringing this story up is because I bring this to you and we hop on and the first thing you have for me is a solution or at least an answer. You're like, dude, it's probably because colleges are starting up today. And, you know, the the thing about it is I bring that up because I think you naturally do that 
with the financial aspect of things when you're helping businesses. It really is your superpower where your brain clicks on something. And it's not like, you know, college starting is the biggest insight in the world, but I didn't have it and you did. So, you know, thank you for at least clarifying. At least I'm going to be a little less stressed as I go throughout my day, knowing that I'm assuming Zoom is aware of this specific thing and they're trying to troubleshoot it. But also this is to explain to the audience if there's a weird angle or even weird audio on me for the first time. So that'll be fun too. But really just to give you props, this is what you do. You like, here's the problem. And, you know, for you, for at least for the finances, it sounds like here's how we fix it too. Is that a, a fair assessment of what you do? Yes, I, I would think it is. So um, I've had I've had more than a handful of people, like a lot of people, uh, call me a problem solver. So really, it's it's bringing that problem solving ability in for clients. So because typically clients have maybe a bookkeeper or something like that on staff and they're not really getting answers to their questions because that bookkeeper is just kind of looking around like deer in the headlights, like I I can't answer your question. Um, So what we look at is, is really bringing that problem solving capability to our clients and, and really taking it to that next level with them. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a problem solver (laughs) and um, you know, I guess that goes back to, Oh, what should I, what should I major in either engineering or something in the financial, financial and accounting world. And I chose financial and accounting, but you still have problem solving abilities in both of those areas because I actually have I have two engineer sons <laughs> mm. and they that is applied problem solving for sure. Yeah, so, everything's just um, numbers, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So you're just um taking that kind of to the next level and using the calculus stuff instead of just the um you know, some of the other other math equations. Mm. Oh, you're using calculus. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I would hire you and not do it myself. I was not <laughs> A huge fan of calculus. I'll never forget. I um, I almost like browbeat one of my teachers during the Regents exams because I never thought he taught me right. And I was, I was kind of right. I'm like, what's this answer? Tell me. He didn't give it to me, but it was it was a funny scene. But I think that actually speaks to a story right now. Like, if you're using calculus, that kind of probably tell explains why some people can't even see these things. Until well, it's I'm using more. Uh, the good thing is I'm using more of the algebra. Solve for x. My kids on the engineering side, they're using the calculus. So, yeah, but you're still using, you're still, it's still applying those math concepts to problems, you know, problem solving within your business. So it's, it's a, it's just applied problem solving, right? right? Applied math, applied, applied problem solving and getting to the answers for, for what's going on in your business. So now, yeah. did you kind of help someone and it inspires you to take this path or do you have like a certain background that it made you realize this is a good way to help people like what inspired you to go down this path and help people in what really is a, a very specific niche that most people don't know to look for yeah sure that's a that's a great question so you know growing up when I was in high school and taking that first accounting class my my parents were and especially my dad they're they're entrepreneurs so my dad had his own water well drilling business so he was the first service guy <laughs> that i actually helped with my with my skills and ability my newfound skills and ability in in accounting <clears throat> 
and applied problem solving. Uh, so I worked in his office. I actually worked out with him physically, you know, when he needed some help for, you know, muscle, I'd get out there and help him. But, um, but mostly I was doing work in his office, cleaning up the files, straightening up things, making sure there was a process and some workflows and some follow up and asking a lot of questions like, Hey, this looks like you haven't gotten a check for this yet. Did you get paid for this? So, you know, the follow-up and, and, you know, making, um, uh, you know, making some kind of workflow and process out of the chaos that was the desk in the office of his business. Mm. It, it sounds to me like, and let me know if I'm kind of putting the wrong words in your mouth, but it's almost like there's an element of, of administrative, but also operations that's coming into play here. Yeah, yeah, you you hit the nail right on the head. So starting out in that area was, you know, total operations, right? You, you you're kind of you're kind of a one man let's call it a one man show, right? You've got maybe a couple of employees. But um that's the start of where um you know, the operations side of it and my connection to that kind of all started because that that interested me that interested me to see some results, see some tang something tangible come out of that, so from just not only the the actual work that was being done, but also from the operation standpoint, that little desk, that little desk was the hub of everything going on in that business, not unlike what's going on with every every other business in this country, right? There, there's desks. Well, and some of them now desktops, right? They're they're more virtual than they used mm-hmm. to be back then. But um, and for smaller businesses, they Sometimes they aren't as virtual, but that is the hub of operations for the entire company. So the small beginnings, then they morph out into, you know, larger and larger. And then you build a team that has to have some kind of uh, continuity to it, some kind of flow, some kind of, you know, touch points where things are moving in some kind of uh, fashion that accomplishes things all along the way. Right. Mm -hmm. So A before B before C before D and it gets to across the finish line and it not only gets across the finish line, but it has accomplished things all along the way for the entire organization. So bills got paid, the company got paid, people got paid, you know, it all kind of has a flow to it and Mm -hmm. Let's face it, it's all about the cash. Right. And I'm glad you brought that up because obviously we're establishing for, for listeners right now, like who you are and what you do. And we're going into the philosophy and the theory. But what this is really about, because I'm not sure if I articulated it well enough, <laughs> is you're finding money where people don't normally see it. It's, it's always been there. But if it's not being utilized or not being discovered or it's of no use to them, you're helping them find that. And obviously, we need to maintain a certain level of confidentiality for the people that you work with. But I wonder if you have a story, you could change a few names and dates and all that fun stuff that might explain how this actually works in practice, like how you might how someone was sitting on a lot of money, and they didn't even realize they had it because maybe people listening 
might have the same issue and they might be able to discover money on their end as well. That's a that's a great thing to to actually talk about because not, not everybody wants to talk about that kind of thing or not everybody knows that they've got money hidden in their business. So I've also been referred to as the money finder um, because I do help clients in that regard. And just to your point is a simple story. Um, I had a, a referral come to me and they were hemorrhaging cash. So the owner said, you know, I'm hemorrhaging cash. I don't know what to do. I don't know where it is. I'm trying to run my business, but you know, I'm having trouble with making payroll, you know, paying the bills, you name it, anything that's, you know, where cash is going out the door. And you know, I came in, we had some, a couple of conversations. I looked at their, um, their books, their financial uh, reports over the course of maybe three years and, and kind of put the story together um, and looked at it and could see a point at which cash reserves really started going down, profitability started going down in one specific area and it pinpointed what that area was and, and went back and asked him a question about it. And he said, oh yeah, you know, we made an acquisition of a, of a, a smaller business and we were trying to get it up and about, but you know, this guy can't really sell. So, you know, he's got some skills but, you know, that we need inside the business, but, you know, he's not selling anything. So I'm like, well, you just added a whole lot of overhead to your business and the guy isn't selling. He's not productive. Are you holding his feet to the fire? Are you get, What are you going to do? So what's your timeline on this? How much, how much money do you want to continue to invest or lose in this endeavor before you're going to decide you're going to pull the plug? Right. So that is that was the real question. And we decided, well, I kind of decided to give him six months. <laughs> I said, all right, we'll check back because he, he was not ready to do that yet. He was not he did not have that in his head yet that that was an option. Yeah, he right? wasn't in enough pain, really. He was he was in some pain, but, but not enough he, to make that. But call. not enough to overcome the ego side of it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So we got to overcome the ego side of it. So six months went by. We were checking in along the way, but at the end of six months, it still had not improved. And I said, "All right, here we are. We're six months in, and it hasn't improved. Ready to pull the plug." And by that time, since we were checking in every month, he had six opportunities to hear me talk to him about it's not improving. Think about it. It's not improving. Think about your options. It's not approved. You know, it's not improving. Think about pulling the plug. So we're, we're kind of getting to that point. But I'm not making his decision for him, but I'm educating him as to why it's not improving mm -hmm. and can you can, can you get over that hurdle and if you can't improve it if you can't make changes to improve that you're gonna either be throwing more money away or you're gonna need to make that decision because by not making a decision you've really made a decision right right let's yeah, face exactly it, yeah. right you're, you're kind of trying to ignore it <laughs> 
inaction is still a choice. Yes, exactly. So you kind of are trying to keep it at bay, right? Ooh, trying to get, you know, push, push away, push away, get the strong arm out. But you're really not doing anything to improve your position. Mm. You improve your financial position, improve your operating position. None of that. None of that is going to matter. So at the end of six months, he finally decided that, yeah, that was not the right decision. We need to get rid of this person and and not get rid of this person the wrong way. You know, they're not on the street destitute or anything, but um, but that person needed to go away from the company because it was just costing too much money. So they they did that within two months. Their cash was on the upswing, which was like, yay. Um, And we were starting to have a plan to pay down all of those accumulated um, vendor bills, old old vendor bills and debts and things like that. So what we had done is not only take that decision to remove that individual because that was draining cash, but we also looked at the business and I said, when was the last time you took a price increase? When, when was the last time you gave your people raises? Well, your people got raises last year. The last time you took a price increase was five years ago. Hmm. Guess what that's going to do. That's going to shrink your gross profit and you're not going to have enough money to be able to pay for that. You're, you're actually decreasing your bottom line over time and not, you know, keeping enough money in the business to do the things that you want to do, like expand, right? This guy wanted mm-hmm. to expand. He made that acquisition, but yet he was in a declining position. So let's shore that up. Let's look at your overheads. Let's look at your gross profit. Let's look at your pricing. Let's look at all of those things and see, you know, that's the operation side of it. Cause all of those areas have an impact on financial performance of the business and the amount of cash you can keep inside the business to propel and to support future growth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's very interesting hearing you tell that story and give your takeaways from it, because I think it's important for people to understand a lot of the times, you know, not this is the only way, but a lot of times when we say that there's money hiding there, it's hiding in the sense that it's very easy, especially when you are an entrepreneur, especially when you've got the weight of the world on your shoulders, you've got a million things coming at you. It's hard to even focus and, and take a 30,000 foot view. It's very important to understand that while you're in the middle of things and while everything's coming at you at once and all you're doing is like knocking away all the shots coming, <laughs> there are these key little decisions that technically in hindsight, in retro- retrospect, they sound so brilliant and so, and so common sense but people often don't think to take it because they are so close in to the business and they're just trying to do the things that they understand. And they don't, you know, again, such a simple thing of, well, listen, if you're giving all these raises, you've got to raise your prices or you've got to have another way of bringing money in. If you're putting more money out, you got to bring more money in and people don't, for for some reason, it's just human nature. People don't often think that way. And I think part of it, it's kind of a credit to people in the sense that, Everyone inherently, whether they succeed or not, everyone inherently wants to be a good person. Meaning you feel like a bad person when you raise your prices in certain types of situations, or you feel like you're not a bad person, but people will think you're a bad person. And it's these types of things that I think a lot of times people choose to ignore whether they realize it or not, 
this is what's costing them money in their business. This is what's preventing them from expanding and preventing them from also having a level of comfort that if they had it, would allow them to better strategize on their own and come up with brilliant insights that they never would have had otherwise. And a perfect way to describe that, I have a friend of mine who uses this analogy and she used to work at the Coca-Cola company and and it, it really rings true if you're thinking about it, but you can't read the label from inside the bottle. And all of us as entrepreneurs can totally relate to that. So that's why it's so important to get help out, you know, that's outside of your company. So if you get advisory help, it's great to have somebody that's from outside your your company because they can read the label for you, <laughs> right? They can see inside your company. They can see from 30,000 feet, but they can also see all of the nitty gritty detail, right? They can see that, especially people that have, let's call it some training, right? They have some training and they have some expertise and they know where to look, right? Mm -hmm. If you know where to look, you can find that money, right? Because we have a map. We have a map that's kind of not printed, but we know where the money's hiding and where it can hide. It can hide in inefficiency. It can hide in labor cost, right? Are you employing somebody in your business that's a family member that, okay, maybe is not pulling their weight as mm -hmm. much as they need to, right, in your company that you, you would have different expectations for them than, say, somebody you've hired off of Indeed or, you know, brought in from, from the outside? That happens all the time time. So mm. there's some inefficient just labor costs. And uh, let's think about subscriptions, right? Subscriptions, either software subscriptions, it, it could be any kind of subscription or a membership, right? When's the last time you looked at what you were paying every month, right? It's just because it's an auto debit or it's an auto charge on your, on your credit card. And it's it just there and it kind of, you know, kind of floats under the radar, but mm -hmm. you know what, there's a leaky bucket right there. There's some money that can be, you know, taken back into the business and put it right back to the bottom line. Same thing with, you know, little things like I described in the story is a price increase. Like when, when was the last time you had a price increase, right? Technology's changing. You're probably paying more for a subscription or something that's supporting your business and, and, and making it work and making it run. But yet you're not, are you able to translate that into something more valuable from the customer's perspective, from the mm. customer experience or the, the delivery of your services? Taking all of those things into account is part of taking the operations side of it and the financial side of it, marrying them together because they belong together. One totally impacts the other and has good and bad implications. They can go mm -hmm. both ways, but you can leverage the good and do away with the bad to improve your financial performance. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting because I'm sure people hear the price increase and some people, no matter what you tell them, they're not going to want to do it. They might have good reasons, too. But the answer to them is, listen, even if this is a good idea, if you're not going to do it, well, then that means you just you need more customers. You need to there needs to have some kind of shift that accounts for the money that's going after the money to go in. So maybe 
you know, you introduce a new product or maybe you bring on a top level salesperson or maybe you go into a market affordably that isn't going to put you out really or, or, you know, thin you out too much. You find some way of accounting for it. So if you don't want to do the price increase or you want to take an extra five years until you finally realize you should have done it, you've got to find another way in the meantime that's going to counterbalance the money that you increasingly put out. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because the best way to do what you just you just described is to have somebody on your side that can put numbers into a spreadsheet and run a model. So mm. let's model let's model that before we actually pull the trigger, right? Let's do ready, aim, fire, right? Let's do some planning along the way before we pull that trigger and not the ready, fire, aim where we we get this in our head and we just do it. Oh, were we supposed to look at something? Were we supposed to analyze something? Even back of the napkin, right? Just let's let's run some numbers and make sure that that's going to have the desired intent and the desired result that you intend before you even pull the trigger on it, before you even invest a dollar in it. Let's mm-hmm. let's look at that. Let's see if that's going to, you know, is it going to be that it's not going to re- give you a financial, a positive financial return for six months? Don't know. Yeah. Is it going to return in two months? I don't know. But you know what? It'd be nice to know that, wouldn't it? I mean, I always like to know that I'm a, I'm a planner, though. Yeah. Got it. Well, I am a total planner. So I want to know kind of where I'm going before, you know, I like to look at the map before I get in the car. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, the majority of truly successful companies or entrepreneurs, they do modeling, they run numbers, they do those things. And um, I don't. And I thought about this because I recognize that it's a bad thing that I'm not doing it the way I should, not nearly to the level. And I thought to myself, um, actually in preparation for this conversation, now, Andrew, you know that modeling, you know that running the numbers, you know that understanding this, this is important. Why are you so resistant to it? Why haven't you done it? And I had to think deep and look at myself. And, you know, you've got to look at your ego. You've got to look at your fears. You've got to look at your insecurities. And I actually, I think I figured it out. I think the reason I don't like models is because I didn't think of it myself. So I don't either, I'm not sure if deductively or inductively is the right word. I'm not sure the approach, but because I don't understand it on that level, there's a level of uh, intimidation and doubt and uncertainty and insecurity about it, even though um, intellectually, I know that that's unreasonable. I realize this is an unreasonable response. So I was kind of grateful for this epiphany of, of so, you know, so to speak of like, wow, this is why I don't model the way I should, because if I'm not the one who ran the numbers, and this is a stupid, this is a stupid conclusion. If I'm not the one who ran the numbers, I don't want to trust it. But the truth is, it's really important to look at the numbers because, you know, worst case, look at something on a small level and even backwards engineer and see that the numbers were right. You know, if you can see the numbers were right in the past, it's way easier to conclude that they're going to be right in the future. Also, you can at least give yourself that experiential lesson of, listen, don't just push this modeling thing aside. So again, I was was literally thinking about that over the weekend because I knew that we were going to be having this conversation. Right. I think, you know, I, I think you are not in, the minority. I think there are more people. You're not the only one that thinks that way, honestly, mm. because I, I think some people have a, 
a little bit, uh, you know, the fear and trepidation, but I think also some of it is the, I'll call it the ego getting involved here, right? Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of ego where the, the not invented here creeps in, right? If I didn't invent it, then, you know, I, I just can't, I can't get on board with it. And I think there are some people who are in that particular bucket Mm -hmm. Um, or in that thought pattern that, you know, if they could just let that go, right, let it go. Because that's why, that's why we get people like me or people like advisory people that come, come with us, that help us along, help us in that journey, right? Because we can't be the experts at everything in our business. I know, I, I can tell you this. I am not the expert in my business for marketing. Not. We don't have anybody. I outsource that. I have a wonderful person, you know, with her with her team that does my marketing. I just I can't be bothered with that. I need to focus on what's best for my clients and what's best for growing my company. And I know that is not one of my strengths. So I get help in that area. And, and I want to, you know, I want other people to, to kind of recognize that you can too. <laughs> you <Right>. can too. <laughs> now, I know a lot of people, they, they want to dip their toe in the pool on this kind of stuff. With that in mind, because I'm sure you've seen it all, what are some easy action steps people can take right now? What are some, you know, high probability issue areas of their business that they could look in to maybe see if they can discover a way that there's money that's been hiding there for them that they could actually take advantage of? Sure. First of all, I think it's get over your fear of the numbers. And by the numbers, I mean the financial numbers. I don't mean like, okay, top line. Okay. There's so many people that are focused. Business owners are very focused on the top line. And that's great. That's a great place to start, but don't stop there. Do not stop there. Get some reports, whether it's out of zero, whether it's out of QuickBooks, whatever, whatever you're using. And hopefully it's not a Google sheet. Okay. Make sure you're on some kind of a, an accounting platform for your, for your numbers. Um, Cause your tax professional will, will likely thank you for it too. Um, but, you know, familiarize yourself with some of those reports, the profit and loss report, the balance sheet report, the profit and losses, you know, what you're selling and what it costs you to deliver that product or service, and then what your overheads are, and then what you, what you get is, what is left over is what you get to keep, right? Mm -hmm. Balance sheet is what you owe, owe liabilities, or what you own, assets and equity. Um, So those that sheet tells you, especially cash, what is your cash position? What is your cash position over time? And how are you managing that? So I'd say the first step is, is really take a deep breath and then look at your, you know, kind of run some of those reports or have your bookkeeper run some of those reports for you and start familiarizing yourself with how those numbers look over time. And then the next step is ask questions, right? So ask questions of your bookkeeper, of, you know, anybody within your organization who is familiar with the numbers or get outside help. Um, You can go to a CPA, but CPAs typically don't know operations. They're really good at performing what I call compliance work. So audit Mm -hmm. and tax 
if you have to have audit, I'm sorry for you, but um, your book's audited for bank purposes or whatever. Um, but certainly they are doing um, your tax return on an annual basis. So that's perfect. But I would say get somebody, make sure you're looking for somebody. If you're going to go to the outside and get some help, bring in some outside help, get somebody who has an operational background. So you're looking for somebody who's been in industry or has done this kind of work over time. You don't just want somebody who's doing tax returns or compliance work Mm -hmm. because they're not really familiar with being what I'll call the right hand of the CEO, the right hand of the owner. Really? That's what, that's what, we function as that's what financial internal financial management professional financial management functions internally in companies we're the right hand person so if a lot of times it happens if the 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 business um owner is away next in line Hmm. it's your financial person more than likely is there and i don't know if this is a fair question or if it's too generalized, but is there a certain number that people should in general look to, whether it's a percentage of profit margin or something that tells them, you know, where there's that breaking point of being in a good place or being in trouble? Yeah, this is what I call knowing your numbers. So there's good and bad numbers. And, um, you know, each business is slightly different. It depends if you're actually in a service company, service business, if you're selling, if most of your cost of, of delivering for your services um, is, is labor, it's labor intensive, or if it's outsourced, uh, maybe you've got some outsourced um, uh, people uh, that are providing some support functions um, or you, ha- you have an actual tangible good, okay? You have a tangible uh, product to sell. It's going to vary. So I would say if you're in, in a service company, your gross profit should be in the 50% range. So gross profit is cost to deliver whatever you're selling, okay? So mm-hmm. whether it's um, – hosting or consulting or a service business, service company, it's in the, right around that 50% range. Um, and then you have overheads below that. And typically you can be in the, I'll call it the 10 to 20% net income, bottom line, 10 to 20%. 10 is good. You're going to pay your taxes with that. Hopefully your salary is already in those numbers rather than distribution. If it's a distribution situation, you should probably be on the more, more up around the 20% range. Hmm. Um, and, you know, someone's like 100% digital, like they've got no inventory, they don't have to put anything like it's just, <clears throat> I imagine delivery of the product. It's, um, you know, their advertising costs. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. What is um, like a good number for them to look at? Yeah, you know, you can be, if, if you have very little cost to deliver um, and not a whole lot of overhead, you your gross profit can be up into the 70 range, 70 to 80% range. And then your overheads, if you have, well, and then you have, if you have referral fees or affiliate costs or anything like that, obviously that'll be in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, your bottom line can be, you know, north of that 20%. I would hope it would be. Um, 
especially especially if you're paying yourself through distributions and you're not a W-2 employee of your own company. And then uh, let's see if you have, okay, the other example is if you have an actual tangible product to sell. So if you have a product to sell, a lot of times you can be in that, I'll call it that um, uh, 40, 40-ish percent uh, gross profit range, 40 and up, mm-hmm. uh, just because there's that extra cost and it depends how big the item is um, on a cost per item basis. Um, but if it's a small item, you still obviously want to keep that down as much as you can, because you're going to have probably advertising affiliate payments, uh, affiliate costs and things like that. Um, that marketing budget's going to be a little bit more, um, a little bit higher than um, just a straight on um, here's how I'm doing it. But, you know, like it, like you were saying is, is if you have, um, that digital, are you, do you have a funnel? Do you have the, do you have the whole cost of that, you know, that funnel as well as the, your entire marketing program? So the funnel on down and, you know, developing the digital side of it, get, you know, Facebook ads, are you doing any of that as well? So I'd say minimum to pay, to pay your, you know, cause everybody's got to pay taxes, right? So minimum to get, um, to afford your taxes, 10%. Um, and I also have a tool for small, um, uh, small businesses that is like, okay, so if I want to make, you know, if I want to make a, you know, two, $300, $300,000 salary, how much do I have to sell in sales given these other costs of my business? I, I have a, a tool that helps them kind of answer that question as well. Right. And is that a free, is that for anybody to check out? Yes, it would be, it would be a freebie. Sweet. And I, What's, what we, link can they go to for it? Well, uh, that would be, I think that's um, on our tools uh, section of our website of turboexecs.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll have to, we'll have to make sure, I have to make sure that's there. <laughs> I think right, it is. Cool. I'll tell you what, um, you know, after we hop off this call, you can take it off and you can email me the link. And what I'll do is I'll put it on the page of this interview. So if for some reason people go to that website and they can't find it, they'll yes. still go to shatteredamoldpodcast.com, scroll down and find the link and they'll go direct there. So either perfect. way, yeah, people have the opportunity to to test out the tool and, and hopefully it'll give them a good 30,000 foot view of, of certain important aspects of their entrepreneurial journey or their business or wherever things going on with it. Yeah. And I know that's a, a, a question that comes up a lot for people. It's like, okay, well, how much can I quote t- pay myself or take out of the business for me given, mm-hmm. you know, or, or that they just want to know it's like, okay, I want X number. I want $300,000. How much do I have to have in sales to get that? Well, you know, I will, that will help, but you have to have a couple of other things to plug in because there's mm-hmm. a, a few different variables in that, but you know, your business best and you can be able to plug that in. And cool. I'm going to, so, I'm going to solve for a 10% bottom line though, because I'm going to protect your bottom line <laughs> Nice. <laughs> and your, and your ability to pay your taxes. <laughs> what, what's that? The main website they'll be going to to find it again. Oh yeah. It's uh turbo execs. Dot com. So like turbo and then like executives only shortened. Cool. Love it. So last 
question for you, just mm-hmm. because it'll hopefully glean a little insight for people, even though we, you've been so wonderful and gave so much insight already, like based on your experience, and I know you see so many different people across the board, different industries, different skill sets, different approaches, different mindsets. What is the number one scolding that you have to give people across the board that everyone listening might want to be the lookout for in case they're also a guilty offender? Yeah, the one thing that I have to get on my soapbox about is, and I mentioned it a little bit just briefly earlier, is don't use your CPA to be your CFO. That is the worst decision you can make, and here's why. Because they are compliance people. They're historical providers. So they're looking back. They're looking way back, right? You're looking forward as a business owner, right? You want to look at what's next for your business. What's the next best decision for your business or your company or your people, your employees or yourself, your community, whoever you serve, you need to be looking forward. So you need somebody who's going to help you look forward, help you craft your path forward that's not your cpa your cpa could actually be holding you back Mm. so that's why i have the (laughs) that's why i have the website and and i have a freebie on that too this is another freebie for for your listeners it's awesome it's uh located at um the website c f o not cpa.com all those letters I like that. CFO, not CPA.com. CFO, not CPA.com. And that you can, um, all all your wonderful listeners can uh, grab a free download there. Sweet. All right. And I'll put that link up on the, on the section here also. Patty, this has been really um, educational. Put it that way, because there's, everyone likes to think that they're smart. Everyone likes to think that they're a good entrepreneur. Um, but we could all have, we could all learn a lot more and, you know, selfishly, I'm, I mean, I'm glad I have you on because it's wonderful content for my listeners and it's really helping them too. But selfishly, I, I had the chance just to pick your brain right here. So I really appreciate you taking time out and, and helping me even kind of look at a few things a little bit differently that'll hopefully put some extra money in my pocket. Well, and I want people to understand, don't be intimidated. Don't be intimidated by your numbers. There's, there's, there's not, honestly, there's no ghosts in there. There's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, Just, you know, just dive right in, ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. It's your baby. It's your business. You want it to be the strongest it can be. So just ask some questions. Love it. Thank you so much, Patty. Thank you. I, I had a great time. Thank you again, Patty, for such awesome insights. Guys, I'm going to leave the links that Patty had mentioned in the either the YouTube video description of this, if you're watching it there, or just on the main page at ShatteredAmoldPodcast.com. Uh, you'll just see them waiting for you there. You'll want to check them both out because uh, I know Patty. She knows her stuff, and I'm sure both of these links are really going to be helpful for you. Speaking of links, don't forget, you can go to LastLawOfAttractionBook.com if you want to check out my book on Amazon or Audible. And of course, you can go to YouTube.com slash Andrew Cap. if you want to see the growing YouTube channel that I have in support of it. Uh, I throw a lot of humor in on that one, and I try to keep it interesting and try to mix it up a lot, and I think you'll be happy with it. But uh, past that, that's all I got for you today. I do want to remind you, if you haven't done so already, pull out that phone, hit that subscribe button. While you're at it, leave a quick, honest, written review on today's content and all the other content that we've had leading up to it. And of course, stay tuned. I've got a lot more awesome content for you on the way this week. I will see you next time. 
Thank you for listening to Shatter the Mold at www.shatterthemoldpodcast.com. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold.